The Super Sons have to stop Robin's mother from killing Superboy's mother. In Super Sons Volume 3, The Parent Trap. Then the Avengers are drawn into the Kree Shiar War in Avengers Epic Collection Operation Galactic Storm. Straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Well, we start out now with Super Sons Volume 3. And uh, this book actually uh, contains four issues and the annual. The annual, uh, annual number one is actually the first issue in the book. And it's Animal Planet. And essentially, there have been a series of pet kidnappings, uh, which Superboy and Robin are going to address later. However, Crypto uh, gets concerned and decides it's time to address it now. And so he calls together uh, and wants to get back together the Super Pets. Uh, which is a group of uh, superhero pets uh, that have existed as a team. And uh, they go to a monkey detective uh, to uh, locate and figure out how they're going to bring them together. And I do like this story. It's one of those really unique ideas for a story. It's very Silver Age. Uh, but it's the type of thing that uh, Peter Thomas, who uh, writes this book, can do effectively all day long, and it doesn't feel stale. It's just a lot of fun as you see this team come together, including Crypto, Ace, uh, the Bat Dog, Flexi, the Plastic Bird, not a plastic bird, but Plastic Man's Bird, uh, Clay Critter, Bat cow and streaky the cat some of these i'd never heard of before so it was kind of fun to see them coming together i even liked uh that uh, they had a little bit of a rivalry going on between streaky and uh, crypto some bad blood but they still came together so it was cute it was fun and it's the type of thing that definitely works for this title um, then we have the parent trap, which, you know, if you recall from, uh, volume two, when, uh, Robin and Superboy got this new headquarters, part of the condition was that, uh, Damian Wayne had to go to school. And you kind of see how that works, and you also really understand how pointless a thing it is, uh, for a kid like Damian to be in school. It doesn't really have any effect that uh, Bruce had been going for at all. But at any rate, uh, in the course of this, uh, Talia al Ghul shows up and uh, tries to recruit uh, Damien to go out on uh, an assassination uh, mission. And he, you know, refuses flat out, says he's made his choice about his life and what he's going to do with it. And... Uh, then uh, they later on run into someone from the uh, League of Assassins, 
and they're able to find out who the target is. It's none other than uh, Lois Lane. And uh, so they have got to, you know, go at, to uh, Gotham City where Lois is covering a story and save her from Damien's mother. It's a good story. Uh, I like that it, it's got some serious... Uh, undertones going on uh, because one thing john is just you know not really fully aware of damien's past even though uh e even though damien thinks he is he's like you know you you know about my past that i was you know part of this uh you know i was you know trained as an assassin but he doesn't really fully grasp what that means there's this one scene where the league is just terrified of him, and uh, John is like, "Well, what what could you have done?" Um, and you know, Damien says that was another lifetime ago, and John's like, "You were only, you're only thirteen, um, you know." So he doesn't fully understand it, but you get through the story that he still accepts him and it doesn't create any strain on the relationship. And you can also see from this why uh, Bruce really feels a need and is so supportive of him and John having this uh, friendship and working together and that type of influence that John is on Damien. Then we have the final story, The End of Innocence, and essentially uh, they're just chilling out at their headquarters, and then there is a breach, you know, in the undersea headquarters by Kid Amazo. And uh, this is just the first step because he ends up at Justice League uh, headquarters and is about to take them over. And uh, they start uh, by taking over, he starts by taking over Cyborg. And it's up to Superboy and Robin to thwart it. And it's a fun story. It's two issues long, so it doesn't last forever. It's just got the right length where you've got a bit of suspense and you wonder how they're going to triumph. And it just plays out in a really good way. Batman and Superman arrive, but not until it's all over. And they get the lowdown from uh, Cyborg, who is sure that, uh, yes, Superboy and Robin handled it well and uh, that there will be better than their dads. And Superman says, Cyborg was right. I think you're both well on your way to being better than your dads. Say what, Batman? Should we start planning retirement? And Batman says, you know something? I can see it a bit further down the road. And it's... Uh, it's a really good idea because, you know, there are some people whose ego would be hurt by that idea, you know, or some fans would be like, oh, you can't be better than Superman or you can't be better than Batman. But as uh, fathers, th that's actually one of the aims is to have to raise kids who do better and who are better in uh, so many ways than you are rather than worse. This uh, issue, uh, the last issue in this book, is the last issue of the series, and it had a framing device on the last issue where an old man was reading the story of the Super Sons 
to a boy and a girl and put it away and uh, said, uh, you know, you know, life went on and they're like, we want to hear more stories. And uh, the old man says, uh, fine, fine. But if your parents ask, you have to promise to pretend I didn't tell you a thing. They're older now and get tired of hearing this stuff. Now, you sh- you're sure you're ready for what's next. Uh, and he's actually uh, grabbing Adventures of the Super Sons, which was the next series that uh, Thomas C. Uh, worked on because the regular Super Sons ended because of Brian Michael Bendis's demands to control everything Superman-related, but they got a separate deal for this. And that, that's just a really... A nice, cute ending uh, or segue. And I really have enjoyed this run of Super Sons. Uh, and I definitely give the book a rating of classy. And it epitomizes why I read modern day comics at all. There are a lot of folks who insist that there have not been any good comics in the past uh, nearly 40 years. Uh, but I think you can find those titles that really are written by people who love the characters and who have uh, stories to tell that are going to be fun and uh, worthwhile no matter when they were written. And so, yeah, this is just a good example of a classic comic, and I definitely want to track down Adventures of uh, the Super Sons uh, as soon as I can. Now we turn to an Avengers epic collection, Operation Galactic Storm. Operation Galactic Storm was a big event. Uh, it was a crossover uh, across seven different Marvel comic series with uh, an afterward uh, comic in uh, Captain America number 401. In addition to Captain America, the series uh, featured issues of Iron Man, Thor, Quasar, Wonder Man, Avengers, and West Coast Avengers. The story gets underway in Captain America, where Rick Jones has a strange dream involving the Kree Supreme Intelligence and calls and asks for a meeting with Captain America. Captain America heads out west, and they meet at a diner, so Cap decides to come in disguise. And it is such a great disguise. He puts on, like, a jacket over his Captain America outfit. And, you know, you can see the ears, and you can see the whole cowl section, and it's like, What's the point? You know, maybe the coat was keeping him warm, uh, but it certainly doesn't do any sense, uh, it disguise him in any sense. But at any rate, the Kree kidnap uh, Rick, and it uh, turns out that the Kree are trying to kidnap Rick Jones because of the Negabands. The Negabands were something that the original uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Marvel of the Kree, he used during a time that he and Rick could not actually exist uh, in the same uh, universe. And so, uh, uh, Captain Marva- Marvel spent most of his time in the uh, negative zone and would only come out when Rick uh, banged the bands together in a time of emergency and then Captain Marvel would come out and uh, Rick would be left in the negative zone. 
And so Captain Apples of the Cree had kind of uh, played into that. So there's actually an issue where Wonder Man is uh, trying to keep Rick safe and uh, Captain Atlas is trying to avoid being captured. And Captain Atlas actually keeps switching back himself and uh, Rick Jones. So suddenly somebody has got uh, Captain Atlas and they're fighting him and beating him up and then Rick Jones is in his place. And it's actually a pretty fun issue, uh, even if it's not filled with like a great momentum shifting events. However, the Kree's efforts to get Rick Jones are just part of a larger problem. And that is that there is a Kree Shi'ar war going on uh, with the Shi'ar empire. Usually it's the Kree and the Scrolls. This time it's the Kree and the Shi'ar. And both empires are accessing uh, a wormhole near Earth that has been dormant. However, in accessing it, the way that they're doing it is causing solar flares. And it could have serious consequences for the Earth. Which leads Captain America to come up with a plan that the Avengers will go up into space and will try to resolve the Kree-Shiar War because it threatens the existence of Earth. Because there is a little bit of a debate, like, you know, why should we get involved in this? And the answer, really, you know, I can kind of understand, you know, not wanting to drag Earth and its heroes into every little uh, skirmish that's going on with all of these uh, cosmic powers in the Marvel Universe. However, if these powers and their activity is uh, endangering the Earth, then you really do need to go out and take action. Captain America is leader of the Avengers, and he decides to divide them up into three teams. One team is going to go out and uh, take on the Kree. The other is going to go into the Shi'ar. And then a third group is going to uh, stay on Earth and, you know, protect it in case anything happens with Earth and also guard some Kree prisoners. And Hawkeye is actually really furious when he gets picked for the Earth team. But Hank Pym gives him some Pym particles, and so uh, he uh, goes ahead and resumes his Goliath identity, which puts him at a heavy hitter status and leads Cap to uh, take U.S. Agent off the team of those who are going into space and replace him with Goliath. It's one of those moves that does show that throughout this, Hawkeye remains Hawkeye with that focus on wanting to be in the top tier, wanting to be recognized as one of the top Avengers. For better or for worse, that is just a part of who he is. And then we set off with the rest of the story. And, you know, just if you've listened to this podcast, Operation Galactic Storm is one of those stories that I should just really hate because I don't like most crossover events and I don't like having books that feel hijacked by those sort of things. However, I actually enjoyed this and I think it's because the storytelling method was really on point. 
because generally when you get one of these crossovers, you'll have like a main book. You'll have like the Operation Galactic Storm book. You know, you would be t- kind of the typical thing. And then issues that uh, occur during that are going to be like one-off crossovers. Here, it there is no separate miniseries. You get the entire event played out over the course of the comics. So uh, the comics aren't being hijacked for some peripheral story. Uh, it's the main thing that's actually going on with the heroes. So I, I really enjoy that. I also like the way that the chapters are told, in that each story is its own chapter, uh, and it focuses on the hero of the story, or the heroes in the case of the Avengers. You don't feel like anybody is getting shortchanged or hijacked, uh, or that you're reading an Iron Man book, but this isn't really about Iron Man. No, it's an Iron Man book, and it's an Iron Man-dominated chapter in the crossover. So it was really easy to follow, and it kept my it kept my attention. It kept me engaged throughout the entire nineteen uh, issue event. And it actually made me appreciate some characters that I'd not read a lot of before, like uh, Quasar. So even though the era wasn't great, and, you know, because it's early 90s, you know, when you're in that whole speculator boom, and even though it's a, it's a crossover, I enjoyed it because, you know, there was stuff happening. There was interesting character stuff and dynamics. You had uh, a whole big fallout of uh, Captain America and Iron Man's relationship strained. That was a theme throughout the book. And it was something that had come out of Armor Wars, where Tony had gone out and decided he needed to destroy all of the uh, uh, Stark tech and to take down anybody who had his technology after it had been uh, misused and stolen by others uh, and had actually come into conflict with Captain America because of the extreme that he went to on that. And, of course, there's Hawkeye's uh, marriage on the rocks and some tension between Wonder Man and the Vision, which is a different form of the Vision than I'd previously seen, which was, you know, uh, this one is a lot more like uh, computer and logic-based without any of the compassion or character, and it's, it's like just one solid color. So it's not the traditional portrayal of the Vision. And there's some conflict uh, between them. Uh, particularly Wonder Man sets out to stop the Shi'ar from releasing a weapon uh, on the Kree that will wipe them out. And uh, the Vision actually comes into uh, conflict with uh, Wonder Man and tries to stop him, you know, really suddenly because Wonder Man gets on the ship and says, you know, we're stopping this. And Vision says, no. The Kree are causing so much problems, so much devastation, so much war, that it is actually going to save lives in the long run to let this bomb devastate the Kree Empire rather than continuing to have to deal with the consequences of all their war-making and warfaring. 
And Wonder Man says, no, that you cannot allow this level of annihilation. And it's nice that even though not every character in this book is heroic, you still have those heroes that you kind of can root for. And I really enjoy that. I think there were some uh, eras of Marvel Comics where everyone is just incredibly unlockable and you just don't want to read them. But here, even though there are some characters, you know, like U.S. Agent, who are not uh, necessarily noble, you still have a lot of characters you can admire and love. And so I really enjoyed that. The last issue of the crossover does have some issues for me, and I will have some spoilers for the entire event, which is the second-to-last issue ends with uh, the bomb actually going off and devastating the Kree galaxies and killing um, killing most of the population. And uh, we learn in the final issue, uh, first of all, that the Avengers do end up all surviving. And I like how they did it uh, because it, there was uh, enough cleverness where it didn't just feel like totally Dusex Machina. Uh, that, you know, some survived different ways. There was some reason to why different people survived. Uh, but we end up learning that the Cree Supreme Intelligence was, be uh, was behind this uh, and was pushing for this and manipulating things so that 95% of the Cree would be wiped out. Uh, which you say, well, why would the Supreme Intelligence do that? Well, the Supreme Intelligence views itself, you know, as this uh, being who will live for all time, or at least, if not for all time, but for a very long time. And essentially, it viewed that there were a lot of flaws in the Cree species, and so, therefore, those who end up surviving this mass devastation are going to be the strongest. And so, in a few millennia, the Kree Empire will be back on top and we'll be genetically better. Uh, but the Avengers are really uh, upset uh, by this sort of manipulation, that this was the Supreme Intelligence's uh, plan that he had orchestrated this mass slaughter for this sort of eugenic uh, dream, uh, you know, that you killed all these people. And uh, uh, so they set out to destroy the Supreme Intelligence. At least half the Avengers do. Captain America wants uh, the Supreme Intelligence to be put on trial. Uh, but they go ahead and they set out to destroy the Supreme Intelligence instead. Cap thinks that the Supreme Intelligence should be put on trial, just like the Nazis were at the end of World War II. But half the Avengers go off to deal uh, vigilante justice to the Supreme Intelligence. The one person or Avenger that goes off that I don't get is a Vision, because Vision had been in favor of the bomb going off. And 
So I have no idea why he went after the Supreme Intelligence, unless he just kind of viewed the Supreme Intelligence as this overall threat. But uh, Captain America turns out to be right, whether you agree with him on the moral grounds, uh, which I think by the uh, rules of war you have to, but also on the basis of the result. The Avengers, they go after uh, the Supreme Intelligence, and they attack his physical being, which actually when uh, Thor, who at this point isn't Thor Odinson, but uh, Eric Masterson, uh, who would become Thunderstrike, uh, he actually uh, backs off when he sees that there is a physical form. Uh, but the rest of the Avengers go, and they seemingly kill this physical form. Uh, but uh, actually, the Supreme Intelligence, you know, his mind, his energy, he's able to get away. And what it shows is just how incredibly foolish the idea of trying to do a battlefield execution of somebody like the Supreme Intelligence. Because it's a creature you don't really fully understand. And if you don't fully understand a creature, you shouldn't be taking about to execute it. Uh, and that does end up leading to the issue where they got back to Earth. And Cap tries to assert some leadership over the Avengers. First of all, he wants to uh, have uh, a reprimand to those uh, Avengers who uh, dis disobeyed orders and went after the Supreme Intelligence. And Tony Stark's able to manipulate things so that nobody uh, goes ahead and uh, will uh, issue that even though they defied his direct orders uh, to do something that he doesn't feel that was appropriate. And then he schedules a lecture on ethics, uh, <laughs> which is a very ineffectual thing to do. Only three people actually show up. I will say that reading this book, Captain America in this at this point is very much on a no-killing uh, stance. Uh, now, Ed Brubacher, uh, who would take over Captain America in the mid-2000s, he just honestly did not understand that because Cap was a soldier in World War II and obviously killed people. Um, and so he just, you know, changed that uh, focus. I don't think Cap would be for the sort of thing that happened anyway. Um, but it was much more a thing in the uh, early 90s. I do kind of like it of the, the character for him not to be gung-ho about killing. And I think it's Rubacker makes a mistake in uh, moving away from it. Uh, because, you know, you have an interesting idea of someone who is against killing because he's done it and he's had to. And that would be an interesting idea to explore, but because Brubacker didn't understand it, we just kind of got rid of it. But here it is present in the book, and you can kind of see that. And he's feeling frustrated with the Avengers position, with people uh, encouraging him to stay on, but with no one willing to obey his orders, nobody willing to sanction if you disobey the orders. It's kind of a problematic position. It's like, why have him as head of the Avengers if no one will listen? However, there is a clearing the air mission between him and Tony. 
when he and Hawkeye go to a bar, Tony shows up and they talk about all of the junk they have been through and all of the problems that are in their relationship. They hash it out. Now, it can seem like expositional dialogue, but it's believable. These guys have been through stuff and they're stating everything going back to armor wars that has built up this wall between them. Tony still insists that he was right, uh, and I should say at this point, the Avengers don't know that the Supreme Intelligence uh, survived. He says that conventional morality doesn't apply during war. And there's a certain truth to that, but there are rules for war and the Avengers broke them. Uh, but he admits to having problems and he says something in here which I don't think comes across the way the writers want to. He you know, out of context, he says, I'm not as perfect as you, forgive me. Uh, now, I've never heard anyone say that in real life with sincerity, but I think the way that every, in the context of everything else, Tony does feel a responsibility for all of the mess that he's created in their relationship. And, you know, Cap could focus on the fact that uh, t that Tony's, you know, defending a bunch of stuff he shouldn't. But what he does actually respect is that Tony has struggled with alcoholism and he found the courage to go into a bar, you know, and deal with this temptation to make things right. And I, I like that. That is a really good uh, cap focus. Um, and so I find myself mostly liking this event, even though I have some problems with it. Uh, I would say probably one of my biggest is that, and this would probably be a deal breaker without all the stuff I like in it, is that mostly uh, the Avengers' involvement in this story, while there are some fun stuff, it's not really uh, essential to the resolution of the war. After the war was over, the Empress of the Shi'ar Empire announced that there would be no more uh, incursions uh, causing solar flares, but that would have happened anyway. So there was uh, no point for the Avengers' involvement. But, the, but overall, I enjoyed this far more than uh, I would have thought. And so I'm going to give Avengers... Uh, epic Collection, Operation Galactic Storm, a rating of somewhat classy. It's not perfect, but I had a lot of fun reading it. And uh, remember, the first uh, story we reviewed, Super Sons of Volume 3, The Parent Trap, we gave a rating of classy. Such a great run by T Peter Thomas. I really enjoyed it. All right, well, that will do it for now. Join us uh, back here next time for another episode of the Classy Comics Podcast. In the meantime, send your comics to classycomicsguy at gmail.com. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.